Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Read Aloud with OD. We're reading Three Keys by Kelly Yang, and we are on chapter 25. If you're following along, it's on page 130. Uh, And just to refresh your memory, we left off with Mia's mom getting uh, the, the letter in the mail saying that she had received a visa card, and Mia was very excited about it. Here we go. My mom was overjoyed to get her new visa card, and I went to school armed with a new word, appeal. Mrs. T said an appeal was like a do-over. In America, we didn't have to accept the first decision. We could ask a higher body, someone with more power, to reconsider. In my heart of hearts, I'd always thought it would work like that, but it was great to know that there was an official word for it. I couldn't wait to tell all the other kids in our club. Under the tall oak tree, I walked them through how they too could appeal their parents' rejections and denials. The other kids whooped with excitement, so loudly that one of the teachers on playground duty walked over to us. What's going on here? Miss Steinkamp asked. Nothing. You're supposed to be playing. We are playing, I insisted. But Miss Steinkamp shook her head, unconvinced. Fine, then. Let's see you play, she said. She took off her sun hat put her clipboard on the grass and leaned against the tree, watching us. When it became clear she wasn't planning on leaving, the other kids got up one by one and walked away, until it was just me, Lupe, and Jason left. And we sat there, confused, until the bell rang to go back to class. When Lupe and I reached Mrs. Welch's room, Bethany Brett was screaming her head off. A cockroach the size of a small Snickers bar was sitting on her desk. Ah, get it off! Bethany pointed to the big bug flailing her arms. At the mention of the word cockroach, all my classmates started freaking out, leaping on the chairs and tables. You'd think they had never seen a bug before. A bunch of the boys shrieked and some were even shivering. Mrs. Welch grabbed a newspaper, and I thought she was going to kill it, but instead, she just used the paper to cover the books on her desk. I rolled my eyes and made a mental note, never to be stuck on a deserted island with any of them, except Lupe, who looked at me like, are you going to do it, or am I? I gave her a quick nod, and with two swift moves, I took off my shoe and smacked that cockroach dead as I had done a thousand times at the Cala Vista. Everyone stared at me, too stunned to speak. And when I held up my shoe, triumphantly displaying the dead cockroach on it, the class erupted in a thunderous applause. That was awesome, Stuart said, grinning. Bethany Brett, though, sneered at me. For someone who had just had an enormous roach removed off her desk, you'd think she'd be a little more appreciative. But all she said was, that's because she lives in a roach motel. I turned toward her and waved the cockroach-covered shoe in the air. 
What did you say, I asked? And the other kids cowered, shielding their eyes from the bloody pest. Don't ever call me Mia the maid again, I warned Bethany. She swallowed hard and looked away. As I left to clean my shoe in the bathroom, I heard one of my other classmates whisper, Did you see the way she whacked it? I couldn't help smiling. In the hall, I bumped into Principal Evans. Hey, Mia, what's up with the bloody shoe? She asked, and I quickly explained. Wow, and you got it off Bethany's desk? That's so brave of you. I'm sure Bethany is very appreciative, she said, smiling. Yeah, right. I glanced over at my classroom, wondering whether I should bring it up with Principal Evans. What's wrong? I took a deep breath. Principal Evans, I said, I'm tired of the name calling and the bullying around our school. And I'm not the only one. I know 18 other kids who feel the same. And Principal Evans stared at, back at me. Really? I nodded. Well, that is not acceptable, she said. We at Dale Elementary take bullying very seriously. I'm going to have a word with the teachers and see what we can do about this. Hope surged inside me. Is there anything else? She asked. And I hesitated, but since I had her attention, I knew I had to ask. A bunch of kids and I, we like to talk during recess by the tree. Is that okay? I don't see anything wrong with that, Principal Evans said. And with a wink, she nodded at my dripping shoe. Now you better go get that cleaned up. I practically skipped the rest of the way. Who knew a cockroach could make my day? Chapter 26 The next morning at school, I was watching Bethany Brett pour hand sanitizer all over the spot on her desk where the cockroach was, as though it had per been permanently soiled when the intercom crackled to life. Good morning, students at, of Dale Elementary School, Principal Evans' cheery voice said. I have an exciting announcement to make. Next Friday, we are going to be holding a very special event. An event intended to bring us together as a community while promoting the school values of kindness, care, and consideration. I looked over at Lupe, who smiled back at me, wiggling in her seat. Are you guys ready? Principal Evans asked. We're going to have a cookout! I could almost hear Jason cheering from the next trailer. Principal Evans explained that it was going to be potluck style, with every family bringing a dish. All around me, my classmates started shouting out what they were going to bring. Paella, chicken parm, hummus, fajitas, curry. It all sounded delicious, but I had a feeling that the dish that was sure to knock everyone's socks off was whatever Jason was going to be cooking up. Yes, Jason yelled the second I saw him at recess, and I laughed. We walked together to the big oak tree. Jason talking a mile a minute about all the things he wanted to make. 
braised pork belly with caramelized chili, shredded chicken salad with coconut, miso butterscotch ice cream for dessert. It made everyone's mouths water just hearing about it. He got on his knees in front of the oak and thanked the school gods for the opportunity to show off his culinary prowess in front of his classmates. You know how long I've been waiting for this, he asked. I giggled, (laughs) then asked, is your mom going to come? I thought back to the other day when she jerked him away from me like I was a virus. Still, I knew she would be proud of Jason, but he shook his head. She'll be away at this art thing in Las Vegas. She's trying to sell some of our paintings. Sell their paintings? I raised an eyebrow but didn't say anything. Lupe just looked relieved that she wouldn't have to see Mrs. Yao. I had to admit I was too. But my dad might come, Jason declared. And the relief disappeared. I couldn't believe I was going to have to have dinner with Mr. Yao again. When I got home, I found Hank and my parents in the front office celebrating their own good news. Guess what, Mia? Hank asked. The line of credit finally came through. We did it. I flung my backpack to the floor and joined hands with them, jumping up and down. That's great, I exclaimed. So now we can buy Mr. Cooper's shares from him. Hank chuckled. (laughs) Not quite, he said. But it means we can take out a loan if things don't pick up or if they get worse. I glanced over at the big sign. I sure hoped business would pick up soon. Walking out of the manager's quarters, I noticed little pieces of blue paper peeking out from under the doors of the rooms. Puzzled, I reached down and picked one up. It was a flyer. And when I saw what was printed on it, the blood drained from my head. The flyer had a picture of a machine gun blasting bullets into a dark-skinned man with the words, USA, not USI, United States of America, not United States of Immigrants, written across the top. Shock and anger pulsed through my veins. I ran all the way back to the office and showed my parents and Hank. After the whites only sign, we had been all upset. But this time we called the police. It took the police an hour and a half to finally get over to the motel. And by that time, we had already grabbed all the flyers. They were underneath every guest room door, which the police said meant they couldn't have been made by a customer. How do you figure? Hank asked. I could tell he was trying very hard to keep calm underneath his perfectly ironed white shirt. Cops made him nervous, and understandably so. Last year, they had wrongly accused him of stealing a guest's car. The taller cop, Officer Ryan, said, If it's a customer, he wouldn't put the flyer under his own door. But you guys said it was underneath everyone's door. Hank and I exhaled exhaled in relief. It was good to know that our customers weren't behind something so hateful. Officer Ryan looked up at our big immigrants welcome sign. You thought about taking that down, he asked. 
and I shook my head. We are not going to take it down, I said to him firmly. The other police officer shook his head. Mm, Suit yourself, but you're just asking for trouble. The state is in a crisis. There are all sorts of angry people out there, and they're looking for targets to blame. He looked down at his notepad. We had 32 complaints of hate speech this month alone, and it's not even close to Halloween. I looked the officer right in the eyes and said, We are not asking for trouble. We're asking for kindness. Chapter 27 I didn't get much sleep that night. I was too upset after talking to the police, who after all that talk said they couldn't do anything to help us because the flyers were protected by free speech. I was also worried about our customers. What if the next time a hateful sign or an awful flyer showed up? They saw it before we did. The very next morning, I found a handwritten note tucked under the front office door. I braced myself for more venom. But when I picked it up, the nicest words greeted me. Here's what they said. I just wanted to say, I noticed your sign. My grandparents came over to the country from Poland some 80 years ago. Thank you for making immigrants feel welcome. Signed, Mrs. Johnson. Genowitz originally, but got shortened to Johnson at Ellis Island. Room 19. The words filled my heart with hope, and I framed the note and put it up on her freshly painted yellow wall. On Saturday, Uncle Zhang came over as my dad and I were about to leave for the library. Eagerly, I showed him Mrs. Johnson's note, and Uncle Zhang beamed and said he was proud of me, and then turned to my dad and shared his own frameworthy news. Guess what? I passed my electrical technician certification exam. You're on the main road now, buddy, my dad said, patting Uncle Zhang on the back. The main road was this thing my parents and their friends were always talking about. I didn't know where it was exactly, if it was even a real road, but I knew it was something good and preferable to the side streets which we were on. I didn't think it would ever happen, Uncle Zhang shook his head, still grinning. My dad handed Uncle Zhang his envelope for that week, apologizing that it was a little smaller because business had been down. But unlike the paper investors, Uncle Zhang didn't freak out. Don't worry, he said. I'll help spread the word and drum up more customers. And once I start my new job, I'll be working with lots of Lao Wei, and I'll tell all my colleagues. Lao Wei. I don't know what that means in Chinese. I could put brochures at the doctor's office, too. I'll be getting benefits from my new job. My dad looked down at his tattered pants. His face puckered like he had just drunk a bowl of vinegar. Uncle Zhang quickly added, Hey, one of these days you'll be on the main road, too, my friend. All you have to do is study. No time, my dad replied, gazing over at the vacuum cleaner sitting in the corner. Too busy cleaning. After Uncle Zhang left, I asked my dad 
what this main road was. He chuckled <laughs> and said, the main road just means having a job that pays proper. I looked around, almost wanting to protect the innocent ears of our fine new walls. This job doesn't pay proper? I asked. My dad patted my head and playfully messed up my bowl cut bangs. You worry too much, he said. Now let's get you to the library. You said you wanted to borrow a cookbook this week. I nodded. At the library, I browsed through the cookbooks, looking for a simple recipe to make for the school potluck, then wandered over to the history section to get a book on undocumented immigration. As we were leaving, I noticed my dad had borrowed a few books of his own. What are those? I asked. He flushed, slightly embarrassed, and hugged the books tight. Oh, uh, these? Nothing! He tried to cover up the titles with his hands, but I could still read them on the spine. One was English Made Easy. Another one was Lab Technician Certification Study Guide. I just thought I'd get them, you you know, just in case. I thought back to what he had said about the main road. But if my parents switched jobs, who would clean the rooms every day? Who would leave an extra blanket in the guest rooms in the winter when it got cold? More importantly, who would greet me with a smile after school when I charged up the stairs to let them know I was home? Suddenly, I was seized with panic. Don't worry, my little penny, my dad said. Thinking and doing are two very different things. Sadly, he sighed as he checked out the books. I looked up at him wanting to ask, what do you mean? But also not wanting to ask. I just wanted to hug the relief that my dad wasn't going anywhere. And we're going to stop there for today. I thank you for listening.